Hi, I'm Nick. Hi, I'm Thomas. And this is the Unbossing Podcast. A show about unleashing the full potential of every organization. Hi guys, would you like to have this inspiration and this magic between Nick and myself daily? Please follow us on Instagram, Nick the Unbosser, or me, Thomas Hubuch, or best case both, or follow us on LinkedIn and you have it daily. If you are a CEO, if you are an employee wanting to find back your passion, or if you are a potential partner wanting to join the Unbossing movement, do it and follow us. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Hi, Nina. So this is obviously a Zoom call, but we are not that far away from each other. I'm in Brussels, Nick in Antwerp, and you are in Paris, freshly back from some couple of days in the sun, right? Absolutely right. Yes. Now, thinking of the coast, the word Opal comes immediately in my mind, especially being thinking of French coast. Nina, what is Opal? Opal is just literally the French translation for teal organizations. So it's the, that color code that Frédéric Lalou put in place in his book, Reinventing Organizations, when he described the complex evolution of consciousness, both in individuals and its relation towards how we behave and relate in groups, especially in corporate culture. Mm -hmm. And you have your own Opal YouTube channel, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that was one of the lockdown <laughs> projects that I launched. <laughs> yeah. um, so the, the, we, 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 we launched, so I've been um, managing, coordinating, animating, sustaining a network of entrepreneurs uh, that speak French, francophones, uh, called Open Opal, uh, that really wants to promote the um, this sprouting of teal organizations in France and the Francophone world. And we've always had uh, three different types of actions in mind um, that's all targeted towards helping people who really want to do this managing companies differently, going towards more living organisms uh, to make the move. And um, the three actions that we have is, um, first of all, gatherings where we help one another finding solutions to our really concrete day-to-day -day problems that we manage, that, that we encounter as we are trying to set up different ways of working in, in our daily works, daily jobs. Um, that's the history of uh, how Open Opal was built. Uh, then we do some communication slash vulgarization in order to provide testimonies, um, uh, try to de debunk some um, common mistakes, common misconceptions, help people with more bottom, like top-down top uh, knowledge or uh, <laughs> return of experience. Um, flooding, basically. And then the third action that we have that's really taking off at the moment is we also have some uh, coaching uh, activities 
uh, that we don't necessarily, Open Opal is really a tier organization. So we do, it's not that we have a business plan, but people come to us um, to ask for help and we are starting to get structured to be able to help them. Okay. Wow. Because, yeah, Nick. super cool. Well, yeah. No, I, and also when I hear this vision, when I hear this purpose, I'm always thinking, are we now talking about Open Opal or about High Fluence? Because it's, <laughs> it, you it's know for me very, very difficult to keep the two from each other. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. you know what? We, we, actually, we actually merged before like, Open Opal took, it took us two years to find a name. And during these two years, we were meeting with, with everyone. And, and there was this one guy called Johan in the north of France. Um, and he had an organization called Organization Z. And they were like, we're doing the same thing. We're going to merge. And now we're all in the same thing. That's, cool. that's marvelous when you share the purpose. You don't need to compete, you know? Yeah, it's true. That See, being said, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Thomas. Short question. Is that your main job? Open Absolutely up? not. Absolutely not. I'm amongst the one who believe that change comes from within organizations. So I do have a handful of, you know, technical skill set. And then I trade this skill set. I'm, I'm a, basically a healthcare entrepreneur. I work in health tech. I've been working in health tech since forever. And what I do now is that I join a company, a healthcare company, whatever it is, and then I always have two different um, hats on my head. First is my regular classic job, and then the second one is usually a, a culture slash organization slash chill um, upscale kind of role. And so this is what I'm doing today as well. Okay. So just to make it clear, Nina, you have a kind of, should I call it, classical scientific profile in, yeah. in, in, in one part of you. And the other part of you is this, yeah, this passion for a form of organization which we all love, all the three of us, right? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's it. I'm a biophysicist, um, uh, biomedical engineer. And so I apply this love for teal organization, living organization, and bust organizations um, to the workplaces where I'm in. Mm -hmm. All right. And what does that what does that mean? Um, can you share some concrete examples within the unique context of healthcare, which is probably uh, often heavy regulated? Yeah. Um, um, requires high investment, so it burns a lot of capital. Um, takes a long time for a product to to go to market. So within that unique context of healthcare. What does it mean to practice unbossing or organization Opal on a day-to-day -day basis? Can you just share some, some easy examples? Yeah, that's a very fair point. You nailed two points that are actually super important and very specific to that, to that type of industry. Um, first one is, uh, you're absolutely right, is heavily regulated. And it's not this, the only industry that's regulated, but obviously you don't want to do, you know, nonsense with patients when you come to, to, to lives of patients. Um, and so one of the first thing that I had to do in my first job was to set up a structure that could be readable by what we call notified bodies that are the, the bodies, the regulatory bodies that uh, qualify your quality management system or all, all the norm compliance work that you have to do in order to be able to sell a medical device. 
Um, and so what I had to do is to set up a whole quality system running um, what self-management is uh, in a language that those notified bodies could understand. So I had to translate what is self-management to people who are used to think pyramid so that they could <laughs> understand that we, we are addressing the same issue just in a different way. And the feedback that I had, we got certified with zero non-conformity after the first year. And the, the feedback that I had from the auditor was like, wow, we've never seen a company that was so structured in terms of management. Because often a misconception is that interior organization in unbossed organization is like a mess. It's not. Yeah. Like no one can work with a mess. It's just that we have different ways of organizing work that are more related and more adequate to what's really happening, to how people actually do behave. But it doesn't mean that there are no responsibility clearly identified. It doesn't mean that we don't have any decision-making processes that are clear. And, and those people are actually quite amazed and surprised that this completely different way of working was actually much more documented and structured than what they were used to have with a, a standard pyramid. So in other words, a famous misconception, right? Yeah. Which means, and the misconception is, opal means chaos. Absolutely. I mean, there is chaos everywhere. You have to tame it everywhere. It's just the, the, the way you tame it is different depending on the worldview that you have. Nick, is it okay? Um, Nina, I would love if you would elaborate more, a little bit more on this kind of structure which you mm -hmm. described in that paper and which where they were so surprised of? Well, um, so now we're getting a bit technical into how the, the isonorms function, but basically the isonorm that I was subjected to uh, required me to prove that I had the, the, the right competencies at the right place and that decision was were made by people that had the right skill, skill set in order to make it. And so what I, what I did is I basically map the organization with the tool like GlassFrog, which is role mapping organization, but it can be anything else. Basically, norms don't impose you to have a specific way of working. They just impose you to show that you can match the requirements. Yes. You know? Yes. So I just I just designed uh, uh, processes and structure and decision making like we would we would use for example the advice process but we would tag specifically depending on what skill set the person has which should be involved in who should be involved in the advice process and then we would document the advice process sign it off so that it's a permanent record that's qualified for um, such a quality management system it was quite heavy. We tried to make it as, as, as lean as possible, but at the end of the day, we could trace very, very specifically who made the decision for what reason, why, and, and, and all of that did not really exist in such a structured <laughs> way in comparison in, in pyramid organization because you're, you're just used to think, well, that's the boss, he's, he or she is responsible, and that's it. So we, have, we had to come up with something more complex, but also more representative of what actually happens in human relationships. All right. It's it's the first time that I hear that you got an ISO certification with a teal organizational makeup. Yeah, we it's, did. It's, it's, uh, it's, and it's, it's amazing. Running. I left the company three years ago and it's still up and running. No problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, I give the word to you. Yeah, I just want to... to um, soundboard a little bit with Nina. Like, is my assumption correct? So what you did was... 
you created the constitution clearly describing all the roles in detail and all the decision-making process in detail and you sign it off. So is my assumption correct that the more regulated your business is, probably the more detailed your constitution will be? And so it might be a little bit more heavier than in a non-regulated business, but the, that's the price you're willing to pay because you cover the regulations. Whereas assume a non-regulated business, you could work with a, a constitution which is a little bit more light so that you don't have to make the investment or pay the price for too much detail, which is sometimes if not always rather a burden than, yeah. than in, in, in how the self-management works, then, um, uh, then, it's, then it's truly a supporter. What do you think? I, I, I'm totally in line with you. Um, in, in, in less regulated businesses, you can afford to be more organic mm -hmm. and to just have a practice of, you know, with some meta feedback saying oh here look guys this is how we're doing it now does that it does that mean that this is the way we like i've noticed that we've been changing this format of, of meeting for for a couple of months now does that mean or a couple of weeks does that mean that we want to sustain it does that does, does that mean that our culture has changed how are we okay with that we can if you are not regulated you can rely a lot more on informal discussion mm -hmm. on what what is your structure and and your culture and how you want to move forward uh, the thing with regulated um industries or businesses is that you have to do it anyway you have to have a, a, a what you call a constitution which is actually an iso um a, a, a quality management system that's how it, it's called you need to have those processes and 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 and, and, and yeah modes of actions that are documented anyway you don't have the choice so it is heavy by design like the medical industry is heavy the banking industry is heavy the it's food heavy. industry is heavy so you have to do it so one way or another the choice that we've made at this time was like hey we have to do it let's just do it a way that it's really reflecting who we are and not just copy paste and a mode of, of, of working from another company that's we're just going to be doing the paperwork for the paperwork. Then it's just completely lose its purpose. Yeah, if you have to do the paperwork, why not use it as an opportunity, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Thomas, you had a question. I have millions of questions because uh, I'm getting more and more curious. Nina, could you shortly talk about your current startup in the medical Okay, world? so my current position is a very particular one. Because I joined two months ago the French government. <laughs> oh wow, that's a startup. <laughs> that's 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 a tough cookie. Um, I joined two months ago a team at the French Ministry of Health who's transforming basically the healthcare system, who's running the digital digital transformation of the healthcare system. And I have two hats there, as always, as I was mentioning. I only go for for jobs with two hats. One of my hats is to manage a, a massive program. We have 650 million euros to spend to promote the, um, the sprouting of 
um, digital health solutions and startups. So I'm on the other, because, you know, um, the healthcare industry is obviously an administrative industry. At the end, the people who pay are the states. So it's interesting for anyone in this industry at some point in their life to go to the other side and see how it goes. So I'm, I'm, I'm running together with colleagues a program to support uh, startups in digital health. And then my other hat is to help that team that's super, super young and that does public policy in a totally different way to put words in there in, in how we work to scale it up to something more teal and we won't be able to go all the way to, to teal because obviously we're we're evaluating, evolving in a, in a blue slash often even red type of organization. So, you know, it's a long way to go all the way to teal, but at least to bring some consciousness in what we do differently and how can we scale that to other parts of the state. So, yeah, that's a challenge <laughs> that I took. Cool. And what's your, so obviously Thomas and I resonate with, um, entering organizations that are very traditional, right? Yeah. Like the government. What's your entry point when you want to slowly but surely help them evolve um, as an organization? Do you enter trying to change some mindsets? Do you try to change skills? Do you try to change some systems and processes, a little bit of everything? What's your go-to uh, area? Well, um, the way I function is always I start, I always start from the pain points. If there's no pain point, you have no way of changing something that already works and that no one, you know, no one feels bad about. So I always, whenever I enter a new job, a new team, and that's what we do when we do consulting or when we help people to transform their own organization is what are the real problems? And you look at the problems and then you find an answer that's not traditional, that's more chill inspired. Mm -hmm. um, for, so for, for, some, for some companies, it's, well, we, we don't have a clear role distribution. So then you will say like, instead of putting an, a, um, an org chart that's classic and rigid, let's put a role-based organization. And the company that I just left to, to take this job uh, was influenced to make this change. And I encourage you to discuss with, uh, with the CEO there, who's a, Who's, who's going to be super happy to talk about it because it's totally into teal. But they so their, their pain point was that we don't have a, an org chart and we are growing and we have investors that want to know what we're doing. So let's let's move to, towards something that's role-based. For, for some others, it's something else. Uh, in the team that I am now, we have uh, a vision problem because obviously, but it's not a big problem, but obviously France is going to change uh, government next year. We are within the government. We need to we need to reinvent the vision so that what the project that we sell in, in May, June next year can be rebought and we can keep on working, even though the minister is going to change and we, you know, we want to keep our budgets and so on. So I'm tackling it this way. But we also have some very specific uh, issues that are related to uh, flex office. We are the only team in the whole ministry to be flex office. And so we have to give ourselves rules and, and, and find tools that are compatible with the impossibly restricted um, IT system of the ministry that you can't really have the tools that you want. Um, and so, yeah, you just like the way I do it is I always start by the pain points because otherwise there is no leeway to to do anything. Mm -hmm. And so you start addressing sometimes. Um, my my credo is that I, I start addressing problems by rules and and 
yeah, principles. And then by the way I behave and by the way I influence, I gain influence by what I deliver and by the way I behave and by the way I animate the workshops, start slowly, 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 slowly to bring through that meta uh, capacity of showing people what they are actually doing while they are doing it, uh, have them grow into their self-reflection mode and 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 have the team grow um, more deeply into uh, an evolution of consciousness. Maybe may sound a little pretentious, but at the end of the day, is is having the people shift their mindsets and perspectives on what is work, what is a boss, what should we do into, oh, how do we really want to relate? How do we really want to behave so that together we reach the same goal? That's the background work that you can't really mm. put on the slide, you know? Resonates yeah. super strongly uh, with what you're saying. Thomas, you had a question. Same with me. Uh, first, I have a statement, uh, Nina. It is clear to us all that when you will succeed to make the French Health Ministry an OPAL organization, you will be on the title page, not only of Le Monde, but also of Business Week and the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if we succeed. Well, it's a small team within the ministry. I don't have the ambition to change the whole ministry. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, let's, let's, let's wait and see. If I mosquitoes can also uh, yeah. make a big impact when you're sleeping. That's very so. true. The next thing, what is interesting me, uh, Nina, you, you, you spoke about a certain budget. Okay, clear. Is that also a budget to invest in startups, which you have at your disposal? Yeah, so the, 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 what what a state can do basically is spend money, spend public money and make new laws. So that's what we do. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we do spend money into, it's not directly, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not directly taking shares of company because when, when you're a public entity, when you're a state, that's something particular. And we do have a special banks, bank that mm -hmm. does that. And it's not the ministry, it's, it's a different a different structure. But we do provide subsidies. Yes, absolutely. All right. And then, because you were talking about creating, let's call it an eternal vision, which certainly survives another government or mm -hmm. maybe two or three other governments. Now, when talking about Teal, when talking about Opal, there is a, always this sense of leadership as a kind of servant leadership. I mean, I think we, we all agree on that. And now I find that very fascinating to talk about purpose. How important is the inspiration part of a leader? How important is it to, to give this passion and energy almost on a daily basis into the team? Um, I'm not sure I, I understand your question, but... Um... Maybe I'll rephrase it for you, yeah. uh, Nina. So on the one hand, within the context of a traditional company, like the, the government entity where you're working, how important, what is the role of a purpose? Um, Thomas links it to what you say, like having something that... Um, goes far beyond the next government. Mm -hmm. um, so what is the role of a purpose? And do you need leaders on a daily basis inspiring the organization in 
um, uh, what this purpose practically looks like yeah. in every daily action and decision you're making. Keep the fire burning. Yeah. Do they yeah. have to do that? Or is it yeah. burning on its own? I, 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 you're totally right. That's the uh, most important question to any organization that wants to move into embossed, free. Um, in, in France, we have this Entreprise Libérée movement. Um, which is basically freed uh, company. And actually, it's one of the first uh, YouTube video that I made last year was on the difference between what is a freed organization and, and, and a chill organization. And, 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 and Frédéric Laloux really nailed it in his book. It's the, the fact that the purpose is self-evolutionary. So there is a tendency to leaders that believe that they hold the purpose and that they they must communicate it internally and 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 repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat in order to embark that's obviously very very useful but that's a step behind what i aspire for which is a self evolving purpose that actually comes from the organization itself and mm. and what's interesting in those because that's a very, very tricky question where there are a lot of misconceptions. Everyone is not equal in its contribution to the purpose. And the purpose does not belong to anyone, not, not, not even the leader. I like to think about um, the concept of source, rather. I don't know if you're familiar with the works of Peter Koenig, but, but that speaks to me much more because what, he's, what Peter Koenig says is basically someone is holding the source, but this source can be distributed. It doesn't belong to him or her. And if that person leaves, it can be sustained if it's transmitted properly. So obviously the person who, the, the one or the many person who are the closest to the source have an influence that is higher than the other ones and must communicate. But there are also people that can listen and see when the source is evolving, when it's going to other people, when it's changing and let mm -hmm. that be expressed as well without having any ego attachment to I'm the leader, I hold the vision, blah, blah, blah. That, this is bullshit. This is really bullshit. It's, it's, it's bullshit that is hard to dissociate from, but yeah. it is true bullshit. No one has any power among any other person that does not exist. I mean, if, if it, that, that exists in an ex extrinsic way, you can control people through money, power, threat, but that's not, ultimately this will fire back, you know, this backfire to you. So the, the, the only thing that you can do is influence through something that is always greater than you. That's exactly what you were mentioning, right? To me, this source is what you, and I might sound a bit esoteric, but that's what you connect to, um, that what, that's what lives within you when you resonate with, with it fully. And I'm sure you resonate with the source of that embossing organization so strongly. If we are yes. having this passionating conversation today and you're yes. you know, interviewing me. So we are, the three of us are resonating with that source. We are transmitting it where we are in our local organizations and ecosystems. And some others are doing the same with other sources and nothing belongs to us as persons at all. Nina. What you are saying is, in the organization of your dreams, there is anyway a team which is connected by this common purpose, uh, by this common passion for the common purpose. That's, that's there, in, 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 in everybody there. Is that what you're saying? Yes, and, yes. And at the and same time, it's not there the same way in each individual. 
Okay. I like to see it as a totem. You know, you can imagine that the source, the purpose is a totem, but people, for their own psychological reasons, for many reasons, depending on their history, where they are in their lives, what they like, what they dislike, whatever, um, resonate with more or less. And some people will dance very, very close to the totem and will hug, hug it and never want to leave it. And some yeah. others will just be, you know, a bit further uh, apart from 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 the center, but still will want to contribute. And and a, a chair organization to me has to be conscious about it and not to force everyone to be so close to it because yeah. it's not something that anyone can control. Rather, to just bring consciousness on it and say, oh hey, this is the picture of where we are at. Are we all fine with our position? Do we want to move closer to the dance? Do we want to mm -hmm. back off a bit? Where are you at? How can I? take care of you and how can we take care of the company, the business, the institution, the organization, depending on its need, on your needs and, and, and on the resources that we have. Because at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you also have to be pragmatic, you know, <laughs> but. The, the mental picture I have is uh, the one of the solar system. Yeah. If, yeah, the, if the sun is the source, you have planets and stars that are close to the sun. You have others that are a little bit further away from the sun but they're all part of the same solar system and all contributing um, uh, to the solar system in their own unique way. And so, and I also resonate strongly uh, with what you say with not trying to force everyone to experience and embody the purpose in an equal way, um, rather inspire and contribute with how with the level of intensity that you feel for the source slash purpose and try to inspire others, but don't force him to come closer to the sun than they can, um, than they can sustain because you will burn them then. Right. Well, um, you, can, you just can't, you just can't. Another image that's quite useful is that you cannot, you know, pull on the, on the plant so that it brings out the flower. All no. you can do is take care of the soil and bring it water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you can't control when it sprouts, when it blooms, what type of flower it's going to be, what's going to be its size. You, you just don't know. And it's the same, I believe, for, for organization and work in general. Work and the way we 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 influence the world, the world is the flower of is 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 to the human society what the flower is to a plant. Wonderful. I believe, yeah. Nina, how important is it? Which kind of flowers you have in your garden? I, it makes no importance, no importance at all. Uh, to me, the, the flowers is just an expression of nature. Yeah, no, wait, wait, wait. I was talking about the team members. So for yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a flower ah, okay. is a team member. The and flower say, is a team member. So, how, in other words, uh, how how picky should you be in your recruitment? Yes, part? how selective. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't have any clear-cut answer, answer to that question. Uh, to be honest, I believe that you can make a team work even if you're only picky on skill sets. Sometimes you evaluate in, in, in businesses and in industries where the skill sets are super rare and you cannot afford to be super picky on both the hardcore skill set and the human skill set. So I deeply believe that if you do have consciousness and if you know how to really coach people, um, you can make it work with any type of personality. That being said, 
I always, I and very often advocate for culture fit above all mm-hmm. because it's just way easier. So if you're in a rush, you need to make money fast. It's just going to be way easier to have people that match match one another very well and that fit per, per, perfectly in terms of structure you, you of culture. You won't have you won't have to take care of people as much. Um, but if you're one person who's gifted or trained or who knows how to take care of people that don't really fit, then I believe that you also get a lot from diversity. Mm. So there is no clear-cut answer on my end for this one. And you're talking about cultural diversity, as a cultural fit diversity now. Yeah. You are talking about also diversity in, yeah, in terms of mindset, right? Yeah, bring a hardcore scientist with a poet. And there you have it, you know, <laughs> try to do these things. And if, and of course, if, if, if your company is, um, is, is, is a communication agency, you will need poets rather than engineers. If your company is a healthcare, yeah. in healthcare so you will need engineers more than poets. Yeah. But if you can, yeah. you have both, both in terms of time management and, and because it will, bringing people with people that are not alike will in, create insecurities and tension it's hard mm-hmm. to be with people mm-hmm. who understand you so you you will have to to create a culture that's really based on care so that everyone gets accepted the way they are and and that does not um that that's really very ambitious in the way people relate to one another in other words you have to have very clear red lines um but by, but but it, it will be you know it's more tension so it's more difficult on the other on the other end if you have a rather homogeneous group it'll be more easy so if you want to make money fast or you know it's, it's, it all depends on who you are and what are your objectives no clear cut there, there's also there's also a third scenario um, if I look at my experiences uh, I think in the previous businesses I founded I went very deep in what you are now trying to explain. And what I experienced is that through the context and the coaching, people of any sorts indeed become more conscious. The result is that the initial source of the company, the initial purpose, eventually most people become so aware that this is not their purpose, that out of that experience, they found their own businesses or they start new things. And then there's two ways of looking at that. If you look at that purely from an entrepreneurial perspective on your initial business, well, it's kind of sour because you invested a lot of money. There were a lot of emotional tensions because of the diversity. Everybody became more conscious, but in the end, they left and you're (laughs) sitting there. If If you look more from an evolutionary uh, perspective and contributing to society. Well, obviously there uh, you didn't earn uh, maybe the most money, but you definitely had a lot of contribution uh, to society with all those people finding their own purpose and launching their own businesses. So that, 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 that's uh, my personal experience uh, um, a little bit. Um, Thomas, this is a conversation we can have again, like, like with many other guests, but this one again could take three four more hours um but i think it's time to ask your final question if that's okay maybe one more and then the final question you think so nick yeah it's already time yeah 
you know it's my role that's one of my roles in this conversation to 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 keep the time um but uh, i leave it up to you if you have one more additional question feel free to go nick i fully agree with you nina imagine i am a french or belgian ceo with a quite traditional command and control company maybe three or four thousand people in a very traditional business, let's say I'm in the food business. And I listen to this podcast now, Nina, and I also watched your YouTube videos and I feel extremely inspired, inspired to go on the path to and having an Opal organization, having a teal organization, maybe within a couple of years, if I'm realistic. So you have really convinced me or you gave me all the information and inspiration which I needed to convince myself, Nina. I'm convinced now. Mm -hmm. What is the single biggest mistake, Nina, which I can do to screw it all up to never reach anywhere near teal level Despite all my good intentions, I repeat it, I'm really convinced. Mm, yeah. Um, I often say that the limit of an organization is the limit of its leader. Um, and I would say that the, the biggest mistake that you can make is to neglect your own personal change, um, your own inner work. Because if you want to unleash the potential of your company you have that you are the leader of, you'd have to unleash your own potential. In other words, you have to go through um, a deep change in the, <laughs> the reframing of your operating system in, all, in, in terms of what you believe is work and what you believe is your role in a work organization. For some people, they already you know done quite already a lot of deconstruction, but some others, and I speak for myself, when I started this steel path, I was so stuck into common representations of work that I had to deconstruct. Um, for some others, it's just we come from fur a further point, especially in France. So I would I would just just tell them, guys, it's not about learning, it's about unlearning. It's not about constructing something. It's about deconstructing and do not neglect your own inner representations because at the end of the day, those will be the one that will limit the progression of your organization. Wow. May I try to put that in my words, Nina? What you're telling me is, Thomas, avoid to say we have to change the company and we have to change you all, guys, and we have to change the organization, and totally ignoring um, what, what the hell is about my personal transformation. And totally ignoring means also not to speak about it, right? And that would be, for you, in your point of view, the biggest mistake, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But, you know, you have to work on all, on all ends. You have to work yeah. on the, the company culture, the change. You have to work on the people, and you have to work on yourself. Yeah, I, I also no heard a second message in what Nina says. Um, 
So to add to yours, uh, Thomas, it's that if you look at a corporate organization, it's the result of always putting new things on top. You know, um, we we start new things without first cleaning out what's already there. And what I also heard as a message is this is not so much adding new stuff on top of what you're already doing. It's more deconstructing and unlearning and cleaning out what you've been doing the past decades. Um, and the result of it is something more clear, more simple, more uh, linked to reality, um, and, and therefore something new as well. I couldn't phrase it better. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And same here. Okay. And we already have the main conclusions. What a wonderful hour that was. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I had a great time. Thank you. Oh, same Thank here. Thank you, Nina. Really, really.